Hello, listeners, and welcome to Legends in Review, an unofficial and unaffiliated podcast reviewing DC's Legends of Tomorrow. This week, episode 214, In Loving Memoriam of Bill Paxton. I'm your host, Rachel. I'm your host, Ari. And let's get straight to it. We have our handy-dandy notebook of points that we're going to go over. But first, let's just go over our general feelings of the episode, because we were both discussing it was okay. It was really disappointing, because we watched this with a friend, and I literally looked over to her and said, oh god, I'm sorry this is the episode you had to watch with us, because the last four have just been really on point in terms of quality, but this very much felt like a breather episode. Like, that episode where they had one goal in mind, which was to get the last piece of the Spear of Destiny, and didn't really know how to plan a B-plot around that, so they just sort of threw a bunch of last-minute sweep-ups and plot-threads stuff in. It really felt like a breather episode before they were going to get to the big climax of next week because the next week preview that we got is is just a lot is happening at once. So this Captain was, Cold is there, and that's our big deal. Yeah, so a lot is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of emotional stuff, a lot of big stuff, but this felt like the kind of episode where they were like waffling and kind of tying up loose ends, and it didn't really go over very well. You know, it's a little difficult because I do also watch Timeless on NBC, hashtag Renew Timeless, and they did an episode about Apollo 11, and they spent a really decent amount of time dealing with Katherine Johnson and Rufus idolizing her and her saving the day, and when we get to Apollo 13, there's no black people on their crew. I think there was... It was just... It was just generic science-looking astronauts. Yeah, it was generic science-looking astronauts. And, you know, Jax is an engineer and could have had that plot where he says, okay, maybe we can get Katherine Johnson to help us too, because that's a great plot and we should have that everywhere. But they just did not bother. They didn't do much with the whole, like, they didn't really do a lot with mission control. They did be not. In their defense, I don't like to defend them, but in their defense, there was not a lot to do with mission control um, other than, oh, we have to shut down the transmitter for five seconds. Um, yes, there wasn't the a lot that about that. With mission control are, they made Victor Garber sing a dumb song and Franz got to use his real accent. And that's the only things that really happened with Mission Control. Like nothing else. And so I can't really say, oh, well, they didn't use it. But the whole the whole Mission Control room was just white people. Like it was all white men specifically too. Like you couldn't have at least had like one or two black women in the group, no. Like, and then they had like an Asian woman for two seconds while she was giving them the tour. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's our one of maybe two Asian women in this We've season. We've ever seen this season. It's, it's kind really of absurd. But let's move into the, you know, notebook here, which just opens with too many PS1 graphics. That was me. And let's talk about that because this, the reason that this episode failed is I can deal with an episode that's kind of sort of tying up plot threads and sweeping up like loose ends. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. I care about the fact that my number one beef with this show has been, as I've stated in both podcasts before this one, this show does not know when to pick its goddamn budgetary battles. And that was the case here. We got like four or five sequences and I'm like, you can't afford this. Stop doing that. And they kept fucking doing it. Yeah, I, looking at space, first of all, I knew it was expensive, but the fact that they paid so much money for something that, that looks looked so bad. Like, absolute the, trash. the scene where Ray gets the flag literally looks like some fucking joke YouTube video 
like that is some I don't want to insult YouTube animators, actually. No, you guys YouTube do animators. amazing That's work. Right. It literally looked like some dingo pictures crap. Like, it was poorly textured. It looked shitty. I understand the flag wouldn't move because it's, like, zero In gravity. Space. But they could have made it look less like a stiff cartoon. Like, it looked awful. I expected and some kind of weird meme alien to pop out and just yeah, start dancing. Yeah, like some it weird low so res. It was, it was just really bizarre bad graphic choices all around and they the kept doing it episode. like they just kept putting in more useless cgi sequences and i'm like why are you do you don't have the money and it doesn't add anything this episode was full of a few really lackluster things and that was one low budget cgi episodes and did i say you know what i meant kids it's fine and two just emphasizing the relationships that I think really did not Need matter as much as the relationships that we were all kind of waiting for. You know, there was focus That's on... a very polite way of saying we were both really disappointed with how they handled the Rip and Sarah plotline, but we'll get to that not later. Not disappointed in a bad way, more like underfed. Yeah. I'm hoping they do more of it, but we'll get to it in a little bit because I'm still not done with the graphical shit. She's not done, um, everybody. Continue. Zero, keep going. The last point I have to make is the zero graph stuff was so awful. Like, that's not how zero graph works. Like, that's not... It just... It didn't... It just looks like they asked... The, the, the two of them to push off the walls very slowly and then maybe slow the frame rate down by a couple uh, seconds in Photoshop. It is so bad. Because, you know, I went to PAX East this weekend and they did have a section in PAX East cordoned off for student developers of video games. Uh -huh. And that was really cool to see. And I think a lot of student developers of video games will be really bolstered knowing that their graphic work and their design work is better than what was on Legends of Tomorrow tonight. Yeah, they don't. They this is. They have to stop doing this. I'm literally begging them, please stop. I feel doing like the CGI, CGI is probably only going to get worse for the final three episodes of the season. They're running out of money. I'm really, you know, maybe by episode 16, they just do what they did in Chowder, where they run out of money, and they just have and, them and doing the, a table read, and they just have them doing a table read for in front puppets. of a back screen. I would pay and a lot of money for puppets. Stops. The special effects just stop. And we are suddenly just at a table. <laughs> you cut to Arthur Darnell destroying screen. the set, crying. He just, yes, he just, I was. I will say, I was very, very, very happy to have Rip back. Me too. But they didn't really expound on it enough like they could have, because this show's strength has always been, and the by strength, I mean the only thing it's really good at doing, is, we have is one, we have one thing. good thing. But they do it so well that I don't care. They're good at characterization, and they're good at the family dynamics. The dynamics in this are so engaging and so fun, and they find ways to explore dynamics I didn't know I would really enjoy. Like Mick and Stein having more banter in this episode was adorable. If you look when Stein starts doing his really uncomfortable song and dance routine, Mick is nodding at him in approval, and that's very special to me. He thinks it's adorable. He loves when Pop-Pop fucks up in public. <laughs> it's just so... I do really like that. I like the way that the show explores dynamics that we might not otherwise uh, like get to explore. And on the topic of interesting relationships, we're going to go into something that kind of troubled us this episode. And when I say kind of, I mean Ari is already uh, making low groaning noises. I don't want to. <laughs> And we're, oh, so we're probably going to not get super personal with this because it's a little uncomfortable for me really personally like to do that on a podcast. But the relationship Nate described with his dad was a really interesting look into his character. And but mindset, especially like, and I'm so mad about this because I'm sorry, but I remember not really liking Nate for the first couple of episodes. And I'm like, you bastards, you did this to me on purpose. You made me <laughs> love him. And then you made him tell his dad, you know, my dad was distant, but he loved me. But... We had no evidence in any way Nate spoke about his dad. He did not say one positive thing about him 
prior to him telling his father this. And here's the problem with what I think happened, which is this show has been really good about, or just Flash and Legends specifically, about Len and his hatred for his father and how he's never vilified for not trying to bridge anything with his father because his father is very clearly an abuser and a really nasty person. And when they did the Frankie plot on The Flash, that was also very clearly something where they said, Frankie, this isn't your fault. But because Nate's dad just seemed to be very neglectful and Mm -hmm. distant and critical, but not violently abusive like Lewis or Frankie's dad, I'm not sure that the Legends writers really understand the implications of what they were saying. I think they just wanted us to think that Nate's dad was just kind of a stern, distant military guy, but he never said anything in the episode, and there could have just been a couple lines for him to throw out, like, oh, you know what, now that I've gotten to know my grandfather better, he reminds me a lot of my dad, and I understand this better now. But we got none of that. It's complicated. It really is complicated because a lot of what Nate said when he was like, if I send my grandfather back and he's with my dad again, I can fix this. And there's something very specific to this idea that emotionally abused abused children have that you can, quote unquote, fix this. That is the ultimate child fantasy. If I can fix the people who neglected and abused me, I can fix their emotional problems. If I just do this enough, if I just, if I just, if I can just do the right thing for once, because they're not used to being told that they can do anything right. And a lot of Nate's behavior in this episode was really troubling as someone who was clearly the victim of emotional abuse and neglect. And they just, did that thing that they did in Iron Man 2, which was just as bad when they did it there as when they did it here, which is that, remember how I never told you I loved you and never indicated in any way that I loved you for your entire life and you were traumatized by that well into adulthood, but something that happens retroactively makes you realize, I really cared all along. I hate that plot line. I don't think I've ever hated anything else more in my life. There is nothing I hate more. And I feel like Nate kind of felt obligated to not be like, hey, fuck what you're going to be, future dad. Because he was a child. And, like, that's shitty to put him with, like, Punch your future dad in the face. I don't care he's a child. Punch him. But, like, that's the thing is they did that. If Tony Stark does not endorse that, then... Dr. Venture absolutely would. Yeah, because Dr. Venture, Dr. Venture is... And I know I referenced the Venture Brothers last week, so please prepare for at least a few Venture Brother references a week. But Dr. Venture is, as we all know, sort of the Venture Brother universe version yeah. of Tony Stark and actually gets to deal with the idea of his emotionally distant father in a much better way and actually goes to therapy and constantly addresses how much he disliked his dad. And the show doesn't punish him for it. And I wouldn't say the show punished Nate per se but it made him I wouldn't even say but he made him kind of be like well he loved me really if they had said literally anything else I would have been like well that was dumb but okay but to have him say I knew he loved me anyway no you didn't you've never said anything that indicates that that is the case until right now this very second like also people can be abusers and still feel like they love you yeah that doesn't actually nullify what you went through his father's intent didn't change the fact that Nate is someone who, when fixed with a problem, is immediately his most hopeful emotional fantasy is being able to fix other people. That, to me, is such a big red flag of someone that was emotionally abused. And I'm like, oh, 
And this is bad. I actually, I mean, I think his plot with Amaya this week was, was ab- super awful. It was, I mean, it was awful for the both of them and it yeah. gave them a catch 22. Yeah. But the two of them together were really an emotional powerhouse they had, this week. They had a lot of good emotions. Like when she was like, but I like you. Is it like, and this is something I, I, this is something where like, I've actually been told something very similar, like what Amaya said to Nate. And it, it was really uncomfortable to see that happen on the show in a good way. Like a, like a, not uncomfortable, bad, but uncomfortable in like a funny, like unsettling kind of way. Mm-hmm. But when she was like, if your dad wasn't the way he was, you wouldn't be you. And I like you. And that's something that I kind of struggle with also because of this idea of like what if you know what if you could fix these things and change these things that you say you want to change like what would that actually do um so it was nice to see her say to him like you're enough as you are and it's okay if you're kind of you know if it's okay if you were hurt like that you still came out to be a good person but i'm so i i'm really happy they had a good emotional moment i'm happy at the end of the episode that they hugged that they didn't kiss they didn't have that weird off-screen sex joke that Nate had in the last episode that it was just like a really nice moment of intimacy that they both really needed and he he really he leans on her like a lot like literally and metaphorically and I appreciate when that. When he started crying after losing his grandfather because we actually know that Rip picked him to go to the future specifically because he was going to die if he did not go to the future so there was pretty much no chance he would have raised Hank anyway and when he actually does die because, you know, time wants to happen, he was going to die. We probably should have all seen that coming. Yeah. When Nate starts crying, it was honestly one of the most emotionally satisfying things to watch. Yeah. It felt, you know, and because it he earned hurt. That it hurt. But it was a good hurt. And so that was a really positive, like that cry and him holding Amaya and her being there for him was a really great part of the episode. So good job, show. Let's get back into criticizing yeah. you, Ray. It was, it was the only good thing about this episode. And so let's go into our next point. I don't care about Eobard Thawn. I have never cared about a motherfucker less than I care about Eobard Thawn. Like, I'll say this. In terms of the three vi- the three members of the Legion they could have used, I would have rather they used Eobard because he's not an actual Nazi. Um, yeah, he didn't murder Sarah or Laurel. I mean, it and was one of those he things made where, us like, super uncomfortable with how he treated Cisco, but the show's never gonna confirm it was like, abuse. So he definitely, who he definitely, cares? he definitely abused Cisco. I Hart- care. He definitely abused Cisco and Hartley emotionally, and I'm and not. I still don't understand that. how he went from that to looking like Tom Cavanaugh, and I'll never I, understand. It doesn't. It. They and don't. It I, don't. I, there's someone at my door right now from the CW <laughs> telling me to stop asking questions. <laughs> this is some Men in Black shit. But like, there is something to be said for the fact that out of the three of them he is the worst like the least worst in terms of like who would i want interacting but like when they did that thing where he's like i'm just like you ray like i would i hate these just kiss him square on the mouth it would get your point across better yeah he was definitely really into ray but it was also because he was like oh sorry car stuff outside that's okay i was just waiting for it to end bloop 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 But there is something to be said for the fact that I hate these fucking plot lines where they're like, oh, I'm just like you. Actually, I'm we are alike, you and I. And I recognize I'm saying like too much, but a lot of these words have like in them. So they do. But here's the only way to do that plot point, interestingly, is to have the hero be like, actually, we're not that alike. And you're just saying that because you're delusional and you want to purport yourself as the hero of the story. And Ray sort of started to do that. I mean, last season, and that's kind of why you can only do it with Ray. Yeah. 
because... Because Rip is too much self-loathing to believe that he's like, yes, I am that awful. And so is everyone else, really. But last season, Vandal Savage tried to convince Ray... I'm sorry. But last season, Vandal Savage tried to convince Ray, oh, we're alike, Carter stole Kendra from me, too. And Ray was literally like, you're an absolute monster and an abuser. And I'm going to punch your face in. In a polo. It was that, that dad polo was that, incredible. When I want to beat up Vandal Savage, my first fashion choice is His dad, dad polo. <laughs> and you know there was sort of that same attitude with Eobard. Like I think Ray realized he was a good asset to have, but the entire time Eobard was like, "I'm just like you." Ray always had a counterpoint. Ray also stonewalls him, which is really nice. Like, it was just so like, nope, good. He's not letting him. He's not letting him monologue, and that is the smartest thing to do with men like Eobard. And he Ray does props. just stand there with the gun, and then his watch blinks, and Ray kind of smugly goes, "Oh, your time is up. You should go." That was smart. And doesn't because... actually prolong a conversation with him, and that's why the only kind of character you can have, and I'm just like you, really. Conversation with is Ray, who is easily the wort of, well, no, I think wort is actually a little more like Ray is full of wealth. Yeah, (laughs) wort and rip are the same character. Oh, no. That's really unfortunate. Um, We're going to drop that because that's, I don't want to think about that. Um, That's sad. But with, with Ray... I think he had put two and two together because there's nothing to indicate that he would have known about the time wraith until yeah. like, but then when he, they all had that discussion about it when they were all up in the middle of the night trying to figure out what was wrong. Right. I forgot about that, honestly. And, and he wore the tank top. Oh God. Right. Yes. Okay. Now I remember I was obviously incredibly distracted during that entire sequence. Too buff. Too buff. Too buff. But there is something to be said for the fact that he deliberately tried to keep Eobard long enough to make sure that he wouldn't have the time to search the ship, which was very clever. Um, Ray Palmer can be kind of boastful and clever sometimes. And I find him very sneaky. That's very attractive when he does that. Or when he was grinning like an idiot because he was on the moon. That was. I found Ray very attractive in these past two episodes, both when he was evil and in Rip's head. And then when he was like pure good on the moon, there's it's zero to 60. But with there's me. something there's something to be said for it. Like, because we haven't really seen a lot of cocky, confident Ray in a while. So for him to have been like that with Eobard was nice. And Eobard was just literally like, I have two holes, Raymond. <laughs> oh, my. He, and it's true. He does. Listeners, he does. <laughs> Um, but I think we have to talk about the, I mean, we've actually been praising this episode a lot more than I intended to. Yeah. Last week we're like, we love this episode. <laughs> Criticize it. This week well, we, we did not like this episode what? at all. Praise it. Now that I say that, I'm like, right. Cause I want to like explain why I didn't like why there were good things, but let's go to what I really didn't like. Yes. It just which says, was Ari has really lovely handwriting by the way. Are because, you kidding me? No, no, Ari went to Catholic school, everyone. And when you go to Catholic school, you usually learn cursive first. And so Ari has that lovely cursive that you get when you learn. No that one's ever called Kath- my handwriting nice. Everyone always says it looks so ugly. I well, love every, you. Everyone is absolutely fucking wrong and should eat a dick. That's so nice. Okay. So the next point just says <laughs> not enough actual captain fights. And this was, you know, we got promised. I wouldn't be so pissy about it if we hadn't gotten expressly promised. Not like only Rick did we Sarah, get expressly promised, get, like, they showed Rip kissing Gideon in the previously on. I think just to hammer on the point that he wanted to fuck a ship, though. You know, who Clearly. among us doesn't want to fuck the time ship? And he I, actually was a weird say, sentence to I, say. I will say he was a little more tender with her. Because when, like, Sarah's like, it's fine. She can take the fucking meteors. First off, concussive damage from a meteor is not the same as a nuclear blast. 
secondly... Which is also worth noting that Cyclops of the X-Men has concussive vision. Energy, not, not lasers. Not lasers. And so if anyone has ever told you, you know when he killed Charles Xavier? That shouldn't have happened because they are concussive blasts, not heat blasts. Well, he's very delicate and fragile, so it might have just broken his ribs. Good. And then he might have died Break Charles that. Xavier's ribs. I'm not mad at Scott Summers for killing Charles no, Xavier. I know this has nothing to do with Legends of Tomorrow. We should, yeah. But... Uh, kill Charles Xavier every day of your life. It's fine. Um, it, there is something to be said for the fact that like Rip is a little more considerate of Gideon's feelings or uh, such as, as such as they are. And he's like, no, we can't put her in danger like that. She's going to get hurt. And I'm like, right, because you just made out with the construct of her in your head a couple episodes, an episode ago. So you're you're really thinking about how this might hurt her feelings. And that was sweet. But we were promised Rip and Sarah fighting over who gets to be the fun parent and who has to be bad cop. And we got like none of that. Was it somewhat satisfying to see Rip concede to Sarah? Yes. To an extent, because it's something where I'm like, he really should, I hate to say this, he really should feel a little more possessive of his ship and his title because he is literally the last Time Master and he made sure that the rest of them were dead because they were a bunch of, you know, genocide abetting lunatics. He should feel a little more like, hey, this is my ship. I made out with her. Could he? I don't. I would. I think they're probably going to do a little co-captaining stuff because. I want one of them to stand Rose style at the front of the ship and the other one to stand behind them Jack style. And then the first one is going to spread their arms like a swan and yell, I'm king of the world. But who's who is up for the show to decide. Phil Clemmer, if you're listening, uh, Rip should definitely be Rose. Rip should definitely be Rose because he's very light and Katie's very buff. But, um. There is something to be said. Yeah, can we... Hold on. Hold the phone. I just want to point out that Sarah could absolutely beat Rip 100 times, 1,000 times in an arm wrestling contest. He's not physically strong. I've actually always liked that. I think that's why he loves her so much. I think that's why we all love her so much. Yes. But there is something to be said for the fact that Rip has always loved the fact that Sarah is very physically strong and capable. Rip has a good... He's very good at sharpshooting. He's got a good... He's got a good hand with a gun, but he's not physically strong like if you slap the gun out of his hands he's basically useless but that's why i think they're it's like if he's not captain then what is he doing and like i don't think sarah is going to want to take that from him so i'm hoping next episode she says look this is literally all you have left in life you have to at least be co-captain with me because i don't know what's going to happen to you if you're not but conversely rip needs her to be at least half in charge or mostly in charge because he as i said before is so completely out of control. He has no stability in his life. He feels like he cannot control anything about himself, anything about the world around him. He needs someone to ground him. He's like a less sexy version of the One Direction song, No Control. You should see the look Ari is giving me right now. I didn't lie. That was bad. That was really, that was bad. That was bad. How dare you? That was bad. No control is a classic. I I don't, I don't, I don't. I said I don't want to talk about this. I said I don't want to take it. I, wait, no, I know that song. Actually, yeah, you're right. It's not that bad. But that's not my point. My point is, is it's not like, we're not comparing it. it, My point is, is that Rip really needs a level of control that Sarah being captain provides. It takes a certain level of decision making out of his hands that he cannot have right now. And that's really good for him because it's totally in a BDSM context where I paused deliberately so we could cut that out but I'm like literally the more I talk about this more I'm like she is gonna have to tie him up and whip him until he is fucking red put it in <laughs> like, his front hole because it, it, it's put the most it weird like it's the most weird BDSM stuff the more I talk about it, the more uncomfortable I get but 
there is, I'm just really annoyed with the fact that they were just kind of like, okay, well, they're friends again. Like, Sarah doesn't seem to have held a grudge in any way, shape, or form. And Katie, the way that Katie spoke about it really kind of gave me high hopes that Sarah was going to try to talk about how she feels with Rip. As much as I liked what they I did. I think we all need to just come to a point where we just don't believe cast interviews or anything they said, because I now I'm thinking about how Sierra and Falk used to talk about how the Hawks are like an old married couple and banter constantly, and then Carter died in episode two. When we had them for So, one. everybody lies to you, except Briefly. the two of us, and we're the only people you can trust. Briefly as they did, though, they did banter a little bit in the pilot episode. They had that kind of like, oh, I had her. I was going to handle this. Oh, you were going to handle this. What are you talking about, idiot? Like, they were kind of bantering, but we didn't have enough time with the two of them together to really get that. Um, that interview makes me think, I'm like, oh, God, did Falk know he was going to get killed off that fast? Yes, he did. Oops. It was immediately when he got cast for the role, they said this is a short-term role. Okay. But you will be Hawkman, which is good. Which is good. But still, the point remains is that, like, I'm hoping that resentment comes back. Or maybe not even resentment, but I want them to at least talk about... It needs more dynamic. It needs more, because as much as I like what we're getting, given that the past four or five episodes have been very kind to us on the Rip and Sarah front, this was a really big If by kind you mean just emotionally jerking, because Rip killing Sarah or attempting to is not actually emotionally kind, but it was... It was was good. So good. Good for my heart, but, like, not in a good way. If that makes any sense. It was like fun. I enjoyed suffering. But I like, mean, there was nothing. Ari pointed episode. out something about how once Nate's grandfather knew that Miranda and Jonas were dead, he basically went to Rip and said, well, she's not getting any debtor and Sarah's available. Yeah, there was that whole conversation that they had. He was basically, you have to stop living with your guilt and go forward in the moment right into her tits. And like... <laughs> He obviously didn't say it like that, but it really was a, like, it's like, come on, she's right there. Like, they are slowly pushing for Rip and Sarah to get back together. Well, back together implies it. But, like, they are pushing for Rip and Sarah to kind of become a thing, but it's going very slowly, and this episode didn't really do anything to further it, which would have been fine if we had been told that this episode was going to feature more like Nate reconciling his feelings about his grandfather and his father. But we really didn't get a lot of indications that the commander steel was going to be like the major crux of the plot. So that was just kind of a letdown. Yeah. I, I did like them toasting each other at the end though. That was really cute. And Sarah being like, look, we are all a bunch of garbage disasters here. Yeah, Sarah's speech to the end of him at the episodes, which sounds like you're an outcast and a misfit, which was, a little too close to becoming one of those theater kid songs about believing in yourself. Yeah, it was, it was a little, a little too we were close to on that. The edge of that. And I just want everyone shoes. to know that I am dreading the musical episode like I have never dreaded anything in my life, and I have had to get major dental work done. I, I want to. I, I don't want to. Every time I, I've had to get an MRI, and I, yeah, I am dreading this I, musical crossover I got an, more. I got an MRI, and I remember I laid in that tube awaiting the specter of death. And I'm literally like, I would have rather lay. I would rather lay in the MRI tube again for a couple hours and have to watch the Flash musical episode. If somebody said, "All right, Rachel, it's time to watch the Flash musical episode," or you can get in the MRI, I'd be like, "Is the MRI available? Is it strap gonna, me in? Yeah, goodbye." They put a pillow under your head, and it they, it makes loud noises, and you can disassociate. I know this isn't Legends related, but I just want to share the news with you all that I found out today, which is Monel and Iris are going to be dating in the musical crossover episode. And I, I just, I just was struck by lightning immediately after reading the news. I was struck by lightning in in the comfort of Rachel's home and died on the spot. I am. Jim Cantiori immediately came in to my apartment, declared it thunder snow, screamed, kissed me on the mouth, and left. So thanks for fucking nothing, Grant Gustin. Again. 
Oh my god, I just had to get that out there, even if we cut that all out, because it doesn't no, make that's any... No, gonna, that's gonna stay, because, you know, this Oof. is kind of a Legends podcast, but we do talk about DC stuff and insult Arrow enough that I think... That's fair. It's fair. I do want to talk about female agency, because DC TV has a problem with this. What? I... DC TV having a problem with female agency? I set myself up for that one, that's fair. But I do want to talk Kel about... Kel <laughs> I do want to talk about the fact that, as, as our friend who is visiting um, and I were discussing... Um, DCTV has this bad habit of having a female character say, I can handle this. I can do it myself. And then getting fucking shot or, or put in a wheelchair. Like Felicity That happened was, to both Felicity and Laurel uh-huh, and Iris. Uh-huh. And it's like when it's Iris, bad, actually. When Iris said last episode, like last episode of The Flash before the one that just aired, she was like, Barry, I can handle myself. I can take care of myself. I was literally like, I know you can. I know you can. But you have to understand this is CW. You will die. Yeah. Like, actually, Kendra told Ray, I can handle myself. And then Vandal Savage held a knife to her throat. And that's why they built the safety sphere, which has a mirror in it for Kendra's protection. Because birds love mirrors. Birds love mirrors. So at least she is distracted while in the comfort of a padded sphere. It's really bad. And they keep doing this. And I think, I, I know they want to set it up as some intense dramatic irony but that doesn't count when it comes off as super misogynist i know they like to think that they're doing that anime mom thing where they're like don't worry we'll always be together and then they just die immediately afterwards um which is a really common trope in anime unfortunately that's what happened to nate's mom yeah that's pretty much exactly what happened to nate's mom this happens to a lot of moms in the cw my point being um i hate when they do this but it's even double worse when you have the woman say, I can handle myself, and then is immediately, like, hurt or killed. They drop an anvil on her. Yeah, they just, just right out of the sky. And like the anvil reads, me, and then next to it, subtlety. <laughs> it reads, post-structuralist. Eat it, Joe's. <laughs> but there is something to be said for the fact that Amaya was like, I'm sure I want to know what's going on with my village. And I'm like, oh, this is going to come back to blow up in her face immediately. Like Amaya had some really good emotional moments with Nate, but she got shafted in this episode because I remember watching that thing where she was like telling Commander Haywood, like, hey, if you don't, if you do this, bad things might happen. And I was like, I was getting angry at her. And I was like, that's not fair. Why are you getting mad at her? Because it wasn't fair for her to have put in the, be put in the position of something she came off as antagonistic, which isn't fair because she was just telling him the truth, but because Nate was so hurt and upset by it. Like I felt hurt and upset because I was identifying with Nate a lot in this episode, but Amaya should not have had to go around his back and tell commander Haywood to his face. Like, Hey, you can't do the thing that Nate really wants you to do because it makes Amaya look like the bad guy in a way that's not fair. And then on top of that, now she's like knows about her village, her village and she's going to try to, fix things in the future and this will of course blow up horribly in her face somehow and she will probably end up leaving or dying because this show is terrible and i don't think you can keep a black female character for more than one season i hope to god i I would love to see Maisie in season three i would love to see Maisie and sierra in season three i would love to even see maybe a third black woman i i is that getting too greedy cw the lightning the lightning is firing up again for another go (laughs) so uh, yeah ari should probably stop testing ari's luck (laughs) it is very frustrating that amaya was kind of put in the role of being the bad guy for a little bit in this episode and then doing something that we know based on how this show is written and how this show handles these kinds of plot lines that will inevitably blow up in her face it's not fair she doesn't deserve that i think we want to talk about what our hopes are for the next episode 
Mine is just straight. I can't wait for the cold wave to just come back and start punching me in the dick and not stop. If you've ever seen that clip of Always Sunny where Mac has the bike that has a dildo in it and he's showing everyone how it works and the dildo keeps hitting him in the ass, that's what cold wave is going to do to me next week. Uh-huh. Specifically that. You know, I just always love seeing Wentworth. I'm so excited I'm to so see excited him. I'm so excited to see him back. Holy crap. I don't even... I'm hoping to God it's like real Len and we can fix Len and like Len can sit. Please, I, I understand. It's I, a, I just... I want him to stay I so want much. Dominic Purcell and Wentworth Miller to kiss on screen while simultaneously just stomping like Phil Clemmer's face in that on was, camera. Jesus. And Phil Clemmer is laying under them like, why was this in Wentz's contract? <laughs> and everyone off camera is like, you know why. But it is something where like I... I, I confess, I am a much bigger Discworld and Narnia fan than I am a Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, same. I don't care about Tolkien. I understand Lord of the Rings and I appreciate it. I appreciate as, what it did. I'm not Yes, a and I appreciate a Tolkien person. as a medieval literature. Did I just say literature? Literature. Literature. I've gotten so fancy <laughs> that I've stopped making proper words. I do appreciate J.R.R. Tolkien as a scholar and how he incorporated that into his works. But I want also, him and Nate to hang out. I am not a big, I'm not big on history. I'm, I'm much more interested in people and the nature of people. That's why I'm such a big Discworld fan. But I do, I would like to see Nate and Tolkien hanging out. I want to see Rip and Sarah talking again. They really just didn't. There was a lot of point. There were a lot of the points in this episode where I was like, I don't care about this bit. Can we please cut back to someone else's B plot? Because... There is, you know, this was definitely a filler episode, and I'm okay with that, but it just didn't really have enough I cared about. filler episode should have one thing and one thing only, and that is trying to find out what Kakashi-sensei looks like under his mask. Yeah, beach episode, dude. Beach episode. That is the filler episode to end all filler episodes, and if you can't meet that standard, then your filler episode is going to fall flat. Yeah. So, I'm sorry I just... That's fair. I'm sorry I just revealed myself to be a huge fucking weeb. I, I'm, I'm sorry. So sorry. I also everyone. made an anime joke, so please don't feel bad. We're both clearly weebs. We're I could have made a One Piece comment. Together. I feel like I forget when I could have made a One Piece comment, but there was definitely a point in this podcast where I could have. So, like, we're, we're, it's okay. We suffer together. My point is, is overall, this episode wasn't super, it wasn't bad. It wasn't, you know, it was not like the Shogun episode or the Civil War episode which were bad morally and on a writing level, this one was just kind of boring. And after the phenomenal quality of the past four or five episodes, this was a bit of a letdown. I am really excited to see next episode though. So if we needed this kind of lull in the, in the, in the season, that's okay. We all needed a bit to take a breather. I'm hoping for more interactions between characters that I'm actually interested in. I can't wait for Len to come back. More Jax. More Jax. That was the other thing is Jax really got, like, Jax went from being a big player in the past few episodes to not being important at all in this episode, but no one really was, minus, like, Nate and Amaya. And, yeah, like, this Ray. episode was really bad at making its central characters important to the plot. Yeah, it was mostly just, well, because they had to wrap up the Commander Steel plotline. So, which I didn't think needed I didn't, wrapping. I up, didn't. I quite frankly, at all, I he could have just stranded him in the fifth. I, and Rip could have never mentioned it again. I would have been like, "All right, well, whatever. whatever. I don't care. I literally don't care." But I guess we had to wrap it up. So more Jacks, more Rip, Sarah, more Cold Wave, more so much more Cold Wave. I'm so ready. Um, Brandon Routh without a shirt. That's it. Our demands are simple. And then you know, and what? also just to be equal, don't... Katie Lots in shorts. Yeah, that's fair. In like in in good shorts. Um, in like nice high. Everybody in good shorts. Yeah, everyone in shorts. Next episode is just the beach episode. Everyone's wearing shorts. My other point is, please don't let Amaya die by the end of this end, the end of the season. I'm literally begging you, please don't kill her. You guys off. don't understand how, even though I want Kendra back, I every day of my life is I'm so thankful. 
that <laughs> she she's left. alive, that she's at least alive and got a happy ending. Yeah. So please just let Amaya, if she has a happy ending, have a happy ending. Like, let just her just please. go back to her own time. If you have to write her off the show, and I wish you Or wouldn't. just don't write her off. But I yeah. don't actually know what's happening. I think Maisie mentioned she's going to be back, but Fingers I'm not crossed, sure. Because I actually, as we were recording this year, I posted a picture with Franz, and they are so cute. And she's so beautiful. I miss but her. But I actually don't know what that means or if it means anything because they are close friends offset. I just really need them to not just kill Amaya for her hubris of, you know, wanting to save her family because that's hubris um, on this show, despite the fact that this show's plot is kicked off with Rip yes, wanting to save his family. Rip wanting to save his family, family dies. Sarah wants to save Laurel. The show fists me personally and refuses to let Sarah talk about Laurel. And that is... Really a shitty. show problem. That yeah. is not a Sarah problem. That is a show problem. That's very. But much we are a show wrapping problem. up, so that is. We'll I discuss think, it. I think. Well, I want to discuss the Sarah and Laurel thing when the Spear of Destiny comes back because yes. Sarah doesn't bring up the fact that she could bring her sister back. That's when we have to be like, this is a really big show problem. Yes, and this show has had better episodes, but this was not a huge letdown, and it had its good moments. It so had good moments. So it was overall probably like a 6 out of 10. I would say 17 horses out of 100 horses. Wait, no, that's a really low score. You know what? Just I'm not going to score it because I test poorly. So <laughs> I'll talk to you guys next week. It was good talking to you. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Bye.